has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Light it up. Welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in, because here's where the fun begins. Now, I admit, I admit to you all that when it comes to me quoting Star Wars, I, I tend to be an original trilogy kind of guy just because I, I've seen those numerous, numerous, countless times more than, than the others to this point. However, something happened last night, and I'm, I'm reaching into my bag of not only prequel quotes, but Phantom Menace quotes. Um, I was awakened around 2.30 in the morning <laughs> by Phasma, my dog, and uh, she normally does when she needs to uh, go outside, and so she went outside, and uh, I went out there with her, and... Uh, she started sniffing around the backyard, and part part of the back corner of our yard is is dark. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I heard her growl, and then she took off into the darkness. Oh no! And I didn't think I didn't think a whole lot about it because she's done that before. Except this time, what I heard was growling dog running into the darkness, and then I hear this horrid screeching sound, and then. What sounded like a mist being sprayed. <laughs> that, of course, is because a mist was being sprayed by a skunk. And so Phasma got skunked. And uh, we, were, we were in the shower scrubbing her down between like 3 o'clock and 3.30 this morning, which was exciting. And so here, I'm going to connect it to Star Wars, is um, <laughs> as Darth Maul said in The Phantom Menace, at last, we'll reveal ourselves to the skunk. At last, we will have revenge. Um, Barb, you are actually in the studio with me right now. And actually, you noticed it. I'd even point it out. But you noticed that there is a Red Rider BB gun with a flashlight taped to the barrel. And while I won't say what I may or may not do for our friends that uh, donate to PETA, um, but I will say that we will have some revenge tonight. In the neighborhood. We will. We will have some revenge. I, I want to hear about this revenge. I may live stream it. We'll see how it goes. I know that good friend of the pod, Neil, will be watching and waiting for that. So um, anything is possible. Um, by the way, listeners, if indeed things do go down and I do need um, some bail money, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps you can help me out. With that in mind, welcome to this 188th episode of Unmistakably Star Wars. I am your curator of content for this evening's journey. My name is Devin Kleffer, and joining me in the USW World Headquarters in the San Francisco Bay Area, the one and only Barb, the Canadian. That's me. Hey, everybody. Also joining us from the 618 with her midichlorian count skyrocketing over that of Master Yoda is the one and only Regina Sanders. Hello. And back... From her trip to the Outer Rim, but still a spark of hope. The one and only Megan Z. Cullinan. Hey, everyone. 
So listen, we've got some good stuff coming up tonight. Uh, my goodness, girl power at Lucasfilm Limited uh, is at an all-time high. In fact, it's it's Barb. It's getting more powerful than we can possibly imagine That's over right. there. We're going to talk about that. Uh, speaking of power, and we're going to combine that with the wretched hive of scum and villainy that is usually, I know, Twitter, but in this case, happens to be the Star Wars Celebration Anaheim ticketing process and where that went sideways this last week. So we'll definitely talk about that. Barb is actually shaking her head madly. Mm-hmm. We have a mad Canadian in the house tonight, mm-hmm. listeners. So make sure you stay tuned in for that. And then, in my best Susanna Hoff's voice of the Bengals circa 1986, it's just another Mando Monday. We're going to talk about the Mandalorian and Bryce Dallas Howard. So let's jump into the news story with our top three news stories of the week. Number three. All right, so we know that Bryce Dallas Howard, who is, of course, related to the fabulous Ron Howard, who directed Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, is a talented young actress and director in her own right. Um, She goes on to say in this article that, in her words, it was so, so awesome to direct this episode of The Mandalorian. She goes on to say, the God's honest truth is that I had incredible support from executive producer and director, and Devin's very close friend, Dave Filoni, emphasis mine, uh, and creator John Favreau. She goes on to say the process, the prep process, and the shooting, meaning, of course, the filming, not actually shooting people, I'm assuming, and post-production and all that was so incredible and collaborative and fun and grounded, and it was just so cool. Megan, when you hear this, and this, look, this is actually a very big thing that we have a female directing an episode of the Mandalorian. And quite frankly, it shouldn't be, but it is unfortunately Um, from your perspective, does this give you more excitement, more hope? Does this do anything for you to move the needle? Yeah, I definitely think I'm more excited. I haven't quite been on the Mandalorian train yet. Oh, not like just with everything else going on. I haven't really been like, thinking about it or been that excited um but to hear things like this that she had a really great experience she had a lot of support um really do make you know it makes me excited for what's to come i think we we get the mandalorian in november ish yes november 12th so and and then with episode nine coming a huge just so much going on and I'm, i'm really excited for for everything that's happening. Do you think that, Megan, let me say with you, do you think that she was the best pick, a safe pick to be one of the first women, if not the first woman to actually go ahead and direct something that has Star Wars label on it? I don't know. I mean, she obviously has a lot of credentials. She's been in this business for a really long time. Um, I when I saw the list of directors, I thought that was really awesome that she was on it. So, Um, I mean, that's really like, and I haven't really thought past that. Um, Like, I guess I could see, well, you know, her dad's a director and, you know, we know she's done a lot, so we know she'll do a good job. Maybe that was in the mindset, but um, I mean, for me, I just think it, it's, it was, I've seen her, I haven't, I think I've seen a couple things with her in it, and I've, whatever it was, I think Jurassic, was she in Jurassic Park? Um, 
Anyway, like, yeah, I've definitely enjoyed seeing her in things, and I think it's really cool that she gets the opportunity to do this. And so hopefully it paves the way for other women as well. Yeah, I think that you bring up some great points there. And as far as directing credits go, she's got half a dozen or so to, to her name. I'm curious, Barb, from your perspective, do you think at all that there's going to be any pushback? And I, I, here we go. We're going to lob the grenade right in there. Do you think there's going to be any pushback on this particular episode if it's not as well received as any other episode that is directed by a dude? Well, I love that you threw this question to me. But of course there is because there's those people out there that like to do that. Oh, this didn't work out or it's it's going to be heavily scrutinized. It always is by the people out there that want to nitpick and scrutinize, sure. um, especially, you know, women in roles of producing and directing and writing and CEOs, yeah. you know, yeah. it. It's they're more under a microscope. Sure. Unfortunately, it sucks, but that's what happens. So, from your opinion as a woman, what do we need to do? We collectively, fandom, humanity, however you want to take it, what do we need to do to either pay less attention to the loud voices or move beyond this so we're not continually having to come back here? Because, as I mentioned when we started talking about this, we're in 2019. Mm-hmm. Star Wars has been under the Disney umbrella for seven years or so it shouldn't be a big deal that a woman is directing a star wars property mm-hmm. like we should have had that at this point in in my opinion anyway yet here we are well i think we should continue doing what well, i say we but they should continue doing what they're doing which yeah. is giving uh writing and acting yep. and producing all of these roles to qualified people mm-hmm. and um, the more women that are in those roles, the more of a normalcy this will be. Yeah. And the people out there that have a problem with it, with it will hopefully see the quality that people are hiring for mm. these positions and get past themselves. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well said. I- I'm curious because another thing that was brought up in kind of the, the, the same parallel landscape of The Mandalorian, that is, of course, Pedro Pascal, who, of course, was on Game of Thrones. He he is The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um he is also he is also uh, number one on our very own Gina's list. <laughs> and uh, Gina, with that, you know, he says in this particular article that was published, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago on Gizmodo.com that there's a lot of crossover, a lot of connection, a lot of parallels between Game of Thrones and Star Wars. In fact, he goes on to talk about if not for Star Wars, perhaps Game of Thrones doesn't exist as far as having these blockbusters and fantasy and all this stuff. And so we know what you feel about Mr. Pascal in general. And if you, dear listeners, don't know, just go listen to our post-Star Wars Celebration (laughs) podcast, and uh, she will tell you all about it. With that being said, let's first talk about how he talks about some of the parallels of Game of Thrones and Star Wars. How how does that strike you? Is Is that good? Is that bad? Does it matter at all? Um, to me, it's, it's really great. I think this article, like in general, could be a bit misleading because then suddenly mm. you think that the Mandalorian is going to be exactly like Game of Thrones, which, right, which right. isn't true. It's different. Um, one of the things that I actually thought about when I was reading this article, um, was this idea that my sister was telling me that without Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, we wouldn't basically have any of the fantasy that we have. 
So mm-hmm. without that series, we get no Percy Jackson, we get no Harry Potter, we get no all, all of those series. And so I really do think it is the same for Star Wars. I think George mm-hmm. Lucas did an incredible thing with the original trilogy and the prequels. And so I'm mm-hmm. 100% like on track and agreeing with what Pedro said. I don't think we'd have Game of Thrones without Star Wars. Yeah, and I think that it's it's super important that we go back to your first part of the comment there in that this article didn't leave me feeling like, oh, there's <laughs> they're just going to be a cut, copy, and paste job and it's going to be Game of Thrones. And I know that that was a fear of some folks when Benioff and Weiss were announced that they were going to do a trilogy and that there was going to have misogyny and everything else. I, I don't think that we're going to see that part of Game of Thrones crossover to the galaxy that that is so endearing to us. Regina, let me stay with you for a moment. When it comes to his comments, Pedro Pascal's comments, and knowing that Mandalorian is right around the corner, Megan started saying that eh, she hasn't been on the Mandalorian bandwagon, the Mandalorian train. So I know that you are. And so what are some things that you would say to Megan or other folks like Megan that are not yet on the just another Mando <laughs> Monday bandwagon? Um. Well, the first thing I would let everyone and Megan know is I actually did not care about Mandalore or Mandalorians until this project. Actually, not even when this project was announced. I didn't care about them at all until Celebration when I got to see the actors and Jon Favreau and all them talk about it. So I absolutely Mm -hmm. did not care until I was standing there and suddenly I was like this is one of the most important things in the world to me. (laughs) Um, and, And I would say Obviously, just give it a chance, you know, Mm -hmm. trailers and things can only do so much until you watch that first episode and you can, you know, get a feel for it and see what you say. Um, Obviously, with like the different directors and things of Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika Waititi, you have diversity that's well-deserved and well-earned. I think a lot of strides are being made with this show. And then there's the fact that it's on Disney plus. I think a lot of people have wanted mm. a television show for so long because mm-hmm. you can tell stories differently. You can get invested in characters. So while you may not like Mandalorians or any of this, if you sit with them for a couple of episodes, you may find yourself feeling differently. Mm. What is it for you that really was the hook at celebration that took you from nonchalant or apathy towards putting all your chips in the middle of the table. <laughs> when, when Pedro Pascal looked at her. It, 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 was, it was that <laughs> slow motion look from Pedro. A wink and a nod. Okay, fair enough. I have okay. to confess that would have probably done it for me too. So. <laughs> we acknowledge that that is 85% of the... I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's how passionate and excited everyone was because even if I didn't like so like I'd seen like Gina and Deadpool and things and obviously I'd seen Pedro and Game of Thrones and you know John did Iron Man and Jungle Book so I've seen and Dave Filoni did like the different Star Wars I've seen the other things these individuals have done and so I know that they're good at what they do and it was their excitement and their passion that made me think they're going to get me invested in this story they're going to get Mm. me hooked they're gonna make me want to care about this world and so it was hands down them the people creating this and and the people starring in it Mm. i like it i like it megan that moved the needle anymore for you oh yeah i you know i still have not watched the panel from the uh celebration for the mandalorian so that's on my list of things to do i think that will help me um 
like Gina said, you know, the creators are so excited about it that it makes us want to be excited about it. And hearing Gina excited about it kind of makes me excited <laughs> about it. So it's it's infectious. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to watch it. I want, you know, it was, it was when The Force Awakens came out and it was a big deal for all the reaction videos to the trailers and things, right? I, I want... Gina's reaction to the first time Pedro Pascal steps on the screen in The Mandalorian. That is the reaction yes. video that I want. Yes. Yes. That would be amazing. Uh, let's jump into our next story of the week. Number two. Well, I mentioned Star Wars Celebration, which was this past April in Chicago. And um, my goodness, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim 2020 is coming and it's right around the corner. And tickets went on sale this past week. And roughly within two hours, all, all, all of the four-day adult passes had been gobbled up. And it didn't take long for the daily passes to get gobbled up as well. I believe Saturday went first, mm-hmm. and then I believe Friday. Friday. Mm-hmm. And I think there might still be some Thursday, maybe a couple of Sundays laying around in the back of the storage room. Um, but interestingly enough, the story does not end there. And you probably know where I'm going with this. And that, of course, is if you weren't fortunate enough to log on to StarWarsCelebration.com and purchase your tickets, you could just take a quick hop, skip, and a jump over to eBay, and lo and behold, there's a bunch of four-day passes (laughs) and VIP Jedi passes on eBay. Um, Interestingly enough, they're also about 300% or more than the face value of the original item. And so, Star Wars social media did what Star Wars social media does. And fandom um, had mixed reviews. A lot of people were digitally rioting pounding away at the keyboard like none other. And uh, some people just said, ah, it is what it is. Barb, you've been shaking your head since, I don't know, you came in the studio tonight (laughs) about this particular topic. So I want to begin with you. When you saw this happen, and just to give a little bit of perspective, Star Wars Chicago, Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, it was a five-day event, but the five-day passes were around for a good long while. So we don't know whether there was less quantity this time around or it's that a good majority has been snatched up and tried to be resold. So with that, Barb, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to toss it to you. And I'm going I'm to take about a step and a half away just out of arms. <laughs> like Honestly, I, I stayed off of Twitter. Yeah? I'm furious about this. Yeah. And I... I wish there was something that can be done, and I was already thinking about things that they can do to stop this from happening. Now, to give perspective, yes, I was on at 9 a.m. Pacific time, and I did get my four-day pass for the regular price. Um, Not everybody can get on at the time that it's available. True. Um, For people to go and purchase these tickets purely for the sake of reselling them at exorbitant prices, it's wrong, in my opinion. Okay. Absolutely wrong. There should be something that can be done by either Read Pop or Star Wars Celebration in general, where the person who's purchasing the ticket needs to be present with their ticket to have it 
be used. And I know many sporting events and concert events that do that. True. Uh, I want to go a little further down the path just for, for clarity's sake. So it, we experienced at Star Wars Celebration Chicago that there were many times that we went into the trade show floor or even some of the other entrance to the event and I purposefully put my mm-hmm. pass that was on my lanyard under my shirt just to see if they would check. Yeah. And I never got checked. And that happened to me, too. Right. There were a few times that I didn't realize I hadn't unzipped my jacket. Yeah. Whoa. It's family show. Bar. <laughs> um, it was cold. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of hiccups in yeah. that way of doing it there's also you know this could be a reason why they wait so long to mail them out yeah so that people who go and sell them can't quickly ship them off right um it it's a very there there is a gray area i understand that you know some people have extra tickets and want to get rid of them um you know i did buy an extra kids ticket just in case one of my kids show up not show up like right. we can make it happen just in case you have an extra kid um sure. and but if we decide that that's not going to happen yeah. i have this ticket that yeah. i bought for 70 dollars that i'll want to get rid of yeah i'm not going to try and sell it for 500 dollars yeah. i'd just like to get my money's sure. worth um i i could go on and on about my frustration about this because you know it's the people that are out there that are just using Star Wars Celebration to make money. And the same thing happened to me while I was at Celebration. I had won the lottery to be in the Pop Funko line. Mm-hmm. And while I'm in the line, I'm getting approached by people outside of the line begging me to buy things for them so that they can take them and resell them. It got to the point where I'm at the cash and the guy's behind me saying, I'll buy that Ahsoka pin off you. And even the guy at the cash is like, they're not supposed to do that. Um, it, it just gets frustrating because they're not there because they want these things mm-hmm. like the fans do. They're there to make a buck. And that's what's frustrating. And it's so interesting, right? Because my initial reaction was like, that's lousy. And it's happened with all kinds of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we <laughs> we had this wave of folks that for whatever reason, were brilliant enough to have their original 1977 through 1983 Kenner toys in, in mint conditioned, right? Mm-hmm. My, my mom's best friend has in her shed almost one of everything that's totally unopened from 1977. Mm-hmm. And I ask her if I can just come, like, breathe the air. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that's, that's Brince, her son. That, that's Brince. You'll have to talk to him. It's like, actually, Luann, how about I just make you an offer right now? Oh, it's his. It's his. So, but see, that to me is completely different. Okay, but but so what I'm saying is like I think that that was kind of the the ball that started rolling when those people that 1977 whatever had their original stuff and like learned our 20, 30, 40 years later that they could make mint off of it. And I think at some point people thought that they were going to do that with the rebirth of Star Wars in in with The Force Awakens and under the Disney umbrella that we're going to go out and we're going to buy, <laughs> as Saturday Night Live joked, three of everything, right? One to open, one to display, and one just in case. Oh, yeah. My brother did that with a lot of his baseball figurines. Yeah. One to open and display and one to keep in a box. Yeah. And, and so I want to bring, Megan, I want to bring you into this because you went to Celebration. We were there together. You're coming to Anaheim in 2020. 
And so when you see that this is a happen happening, what are some of your immediate reactions and thoughts on that? Well, let me take a step back here a few years ago. When I decided to go to Star Wars Celebration Orlando, um, I don't think I got tickets right away, and it was mm-hmm. months and months before those four-day passes were sold out. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like yeah. a while. Um, mm-hmm. I had no problem getting a hotel. Like It was great. Chicago comes around, got my tickets the same day they were sold, and then I think I think the four day pass is actually sold within like that first week or two, so it was mm-hmm. a lot quicker, and I that really surprised me because thinking back to Orlando, you know, it's a huge convention center. I can't imagine mm-hmm. they were selling any more tickets um, or any less tickets in Chicago, and then. You don't know how close I was to not getting a four-day pass because Friday, so I'm in Central Time. Tickets went on sale mm-hmm. at 11. My lunch was at 1.15. And I go thinking to myself, I'm just going to sneak away from my desk, try to get these tickets. And then, like, I had this, I wrestled with myself. Oh, I'll just wait till lunch, you know, two hours later. There's no way they're going to be sold out. I, like, honestly right. think I was this close to not getting tickets. Because I wow. snuck away. I was, like, checking my phone in the queue. I think I got them at, like, maybe noon-ish. Yeah. And then yeah. I get on my lunch, and they were all sold out. And I, like, I was kind of panicky. Like, I was so happy that I got these tickets. But yeah. then I was chatting with friends who have gone to the last couple celebrations. They were, you know, going to get tickets today or, the ne- or that day or the next day. Didn't get them. Yeah. And I felt so heartbroken. Mm. And I've talked to a lot of people on Twitter. I'm like, just, you know, hold out hope because there were there are tickets that are going to be for sale later on when people realize they can't go or they can't afford to go and they need to sell their tickets. But there's no guarantees. Right. And it just it really made me sad and the the difficult thing is people who do this, people who buy things in order to resell them at a higher price are going to keep doing it until we figure a way to stop them. Mm-hmm. And that's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the reality of it. And it, it just overall makes me like, I'm so happy. I'm going to go. I'm so happy. I'm going to see you all again and be with you guys. But I'm just sad for the people that may not be able to go because they may not be able to get a ticket later on. Yeah, I think you bring up some great points, and I think part of me says it stinks, and yet we're we're in this gig economy. Everyone's trying to make a buck. Some people maybe trying to stretch that a little bit when they're asking. I don't know. I saw some of the VIP passes offered on eBay for upwards of twenty five hundred dollars, and I think the original price was maybe nine hundred dollars or so. So, I mean, that's that's pretty outrageous. Although I know that those go super fast and typically the people that end up with those um, have enough disposable income where it's not that big of a deal. I, I, I am with you, though, Megan and, and Barb, when it comes to undoubtedly, undoubtedly there's some families that probably are not going to get to go or not to get to go for the entire four days and that was probably looking forward to that. It could have been their their first Star Wars celebration experience. Mm-hmm. I know that social media had said some things that surprisingly 
fandom seems to be fairly evenly split as far as some of the very, very scientific research I did on social media and just looking at some of the Facebook groups, there were a lot of people that just said, that's capitalism. It is what it is. There's nothing wrong with this. And a lot of people said, well, actually, this is going to be or was going to be my family's first celebration. And then there were some people that said, you know, I, I don't know if the people that are trying to resell them on eBay are actually in the majority or they bought up a lot of passes or it just seems like that. But it also could be because now that we have Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge, now that's under the Disney umbrella and there's so many more fans out there, fandom has kind of mushroomed out the last couple of years, that maybe indeed there was that much hype with Galaxy's Edge and this being in Anaheim that maybe the majority of these are legitimate purchases. I don't know. I just know when I was on eBay, I was shocked to see some of the numbers. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm on eBay right now. What are, some, what are some of the numbers right now as of, we're recording this Monday evening? Right now, there's a four-day child, which I purchased for $70. Um, it's buy it now for 200 And then there's... A four-day adult for five fifty, which was I think a hundred and ninety-eight, and and then this one here is nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars for wow a Friday ticket, bro. <laughs> good good luck. And then one Jedi Master VIP for two thousand seven hundred and fifty. Yeah, and I'm here to tell you that. Some people can just go sit in the VIP section <laughs> regardless. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you happen to find yourself in Anaheim, I don't know. Just give it a go. Um, tell them Barb sent you. No, don't <laughs> say. Um, I'm curious, Regina, from your perspective, you, you're, you're in grad school. Um, you are probably like um, 101% of grad students that I personally have known or know, and that is money typically doesn't grow on trees or at least the ones in your orchard um what does this sound like from your perspective we know you're not coming to to anaheim but when you just when you hear about this stuff what what goes through your mind um my first thought was this is why we can't have nice things um because people ruin it um my second thought was similar to the people you mentioned oh this is just capitalism i recently took a media studies and a feminist media class and I learned that, you know, we live in a patriarchal capitalism society and it's honestly probably never going to go away. So I went through like this real cynical phase. Um, (laughs) And then I went through this phase where I was like, I hope the universe just like doles out a bunch of karma on you and something goes wrong to the people (laughs) who did. So like I went through a cycle. I went through a phase Mm. because I honestly really do think it's terrible when people do. Mm. And I can tell that I'm not alone. It does make me angry. Um... And I, I'm just so frustrated. I lost my train of thought. That's okay. It's just evil. That's what it is. It's yeah. evil. Well, as, as the light rises, the dark rises to meet it. Um, <laughs> I, so here's the deal. I there's a difference in in my opinion of just because something is allowed, okay, legal, whatever label you want to throw on, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Are there greater moral crimes in 2019? Um, Yes, Mm -hmm. there are. In a lot of ways, how how dare we get upset about this when we look at the state of the world and what's going on? 
Um, at the same time, I do realize, like, if it was a family that was looking forward to this, uh, if it was an individual looking forward to this, and, and they had kind of budgeted based on previous celebrations and expenditures that are associated with that, I, I get it. I totally get it. I think that, well, like our family, we had to make a decision whether it was going to, I was going to go solo or the whole clan was going to go. And um, that hasn't been made. We were actually going to make that decision. The decision was kind of made for us because daddy didn't get on and buy any passes before they, <laughs> they got snatched up. So as of right now, we're going to be sitting on the sidelines. And, you know, you can hear my... 12-step program recovery through that journey um, on another episode. But I, I can imagine that had I logged on, even Friday during my lunch hour, which would have been 12 p.m. Pacific, had they been all snatched up and had I been counting on taking the family, I would have been pretty pissed off. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And so, Barb, you brought up something, and that is, and actually each of you did, that is there needs to be something done. So what are some ways to do it? I know one way is you have to be in person with your ID and mm -hmm. the credit card used to purchase the thing in, in order to actually get it at a will call. And instead of mailing them out, they need to be picked up at will call. That brings on another set of challenges for people that are buying ones for family members or friends or whatever else. But what are some of your other ideas to, we're not going to eliminate it, but at least reduce it? Well... I'm sure they already have this, but a cap on how many tickets you can buy. They must already have that. I don't think there is, to be honest with you. I don't think there is. I think the only ones that are super limited were the VIP Jedi ones. So you're saying that somebody could go on and buy 100 four-day passes? I don't think there's a restriction on that. On the, I think there is a restriction on the VIP ones, but I don't think that there's a restriction on any of the others well if there isn't that would be a first step okay. you right. know and i know people can have large groups going and large families going and that's fine but still you know have a cap and if there is a cap and and there's groups that want to go together they can figure out who's going to purchase each bundle but yeah. that that is the starting point and as we all saw at star wars celebration chicago with read pop there's you know they're looking at your badges but not all the time. Yeah. And the, the thing is, I didn't have... We all activate our badge before we get there. And you have right. to activate it with the email that you use to purchase it. But I could swap mine with anybody and nobody would know right. anything. Because they weren't scanning any passes. Right. They just looked at them. Right. So if they had a better system for scanning it, that like they do at certain sporting events, sure. then that would also help. Yeah. And it would be interesting. Star Wars Celebration is roughly roughly the size of a larger sporting event. I mean, National Football League. Mm -hmm. I don't think any baseball teams have um, that many folks going to them. But, but certainly, American football. Mm -hmm. Regular football crowds in excess of 70,000. So, obviously, it's done. And maybe that's where they step it up. It'd be it'll be interesting to see for those that are going. It'll be interesting to see the difference in the process because I know with the Chicago process, not only the, the lottery thing got dumped on us very last minute. The app wasn't even up the day that <laughs> celebration had begun, or not until right before. Mm -hmm. um, and so it will be interesting to see what they learn and what's going to be different this, this time around. 
That being said, there's actually some good news this week. So let's get to our number one story. Number one. All right. Well, let's brighten the mood a little bit with some more good news, actually, in the galaxy. And it was announced this past week that Michelle, and if I mispronounce this, please feel free to at Barb. <laughs> Michelle Rejwan was announced as senior vice president of Lucasfilm. She's going to be overseeing live action Star Wars for both Disney Plus as well as the theaters. This, in my opinion, is some really good news. She's been associate producer on The Force Awakens. She is working with JJ uh, again with Episode Nine. She's got some chops. She's been under the, the tutelage of Kathleen Kennedy for a good long while. Regina, when you see this... What were your thoughts? Um, honestly, I was excited. I went and I looked up her um, the films that she's done on Internet Movie Database. And I've seen the Star Wars ones. I've seen the Star Trek ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked all of those films. Uh, the way Kathleen Kennedy was talking, there seems to be a level of trust there. She's worked with JJ. There's established bonds. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Right. Right. In fact, Kathleen Kennedy goes on to say in one of the articles that we will listen to our show notes... Working with Michelle over the last seven years as a producer on both The Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker, I have seen firsthand her skills collaborating with writers and directors, and I've been incredibly impressed with her creative skills and her ability to manage the complexity surrounding these massive projects. I know the importance of building a team and that you trust and have fun working with. It is paramount to our success. There's an exciting momentum building around the future of the franchise. I agree with that. And both myself and Lucasfilm team look forward to working with Michelle in shaping the future in all areas of story development from theatrical film development to live action content for Disney+. Plus. Barb, mm-hmm. on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, eh, Pedro Pascal didn't look at me, <laughs> and, and, and 10... Pedro Pascal says, how you do um, <laughs> Where, where does, does this, this news strike you? It's, it's pretty, pretty up there. there. I, mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting, exciting that, that Kathleen Kennedy, Kennedy is appointing, appointing somebody, somebody that has such a, such a good track record with Star Wars, Wars with J.J. Abrams, Abrams yeah. just yeah. Her, filmography her filmography as a producer, as well as, well as um, the, other the other projects she's worked on. It just... She looks, she looks fantastic, fantastic. And, I and I can't wait, wait to see what other, other projects she works on. Because she's, she's, she's producer right, right now for The Last Jedi. Jedi. And then we've, we've got, got all of these live action content, content for her. Yeah. You know, you know it's, it's, it, it seems great. great. It, you know, the, the, the problem with a new story like this is kind of what, what we're talking, talking about with the other story is that it's more high profile because she's a woman. And it shouldn't be. It should be, let's look at what she's done and how great it is and go from there. Yeah. Well said. With that kind of in mind, let me kind of build upon that. And Megan, from your perspective, when we see this announcement made, and obviously she's going to be controlling and overseeing a lot of content, I'm curious because there's been some talk in fandom about some of the male authors, even though I enjoyed the book, they maybe, maybe don't write, write the woman how I think a woman, woman would write that character. And so, and so from your perspective, what do you think that we'll get new eyes on and maybe a new insight into when it comes to the characters, characters we see, the storylines we 
delve, delve into, into because, because we're going to have really, really one, one additional, additional woman, woman that's, that's in a very key position in, in the making, the making of, Star of Star Wars. I mean, anytime you you have bring somebody into a position like that, they're they're going to have their own perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, time will tell. I I think, I mean high praise from Kathleen Kennedy. So I'm not worried at all. You know, hopefully that just means things in Star Wars will continue to progress, continue to grow. I mean, there's so many things that haven't been done in Star Wars and Star Wars isn't going away anytime soon. And Mm -hmm. I think she'll just, she'll have this sort of like, I don't want to say blank canvas because clearly it's not a blank canvas, but this, this extended, you know, tree branch where she can go and, you know, sort of bring her perspective and, and bring her ideas in and, and hopefully just help Star Wars to continue to grow. Yeah, I, I think that that is the hope, right? Is that we see not only the galaxy that we love continue to grow, but I hopefully grow in new directions as mm-hmm. well. I, I'm really looking forward to see where this takes some of the characters that we're going to see. We've got at least a couple of trilogies still on the books. As far as we know, we know the Mandalorian is going to have at least two seasons. We know that we've got another live action show on Disney plus coming. Plus we're going to have more animated stuff Mm -hmm. coming out as well, even though she won't, she won't oversee that Regina from your perspective. Do you think that this is actually going to be the start of something that is, it's going to be a pinnacle moment in kind of the timeline of star Wars where 40, plus years into this now, is this going to be something that we look back on and go, you know, not that it was necessarily her, but putting this woman in this position really was this transformative time within Star Wars creation? Um, I think so. I So I had a love-hate, which is both two entirely strong words, but I'm going to use them. I had a love-hate relationship with, with the article that we read Um, Because Mm. I really wish that they would stop comparing Star Wars to Marvel and the MCU. Mm. um, Because I think they're they're different things. And I think they're only being compared because they're both so ginormous. And they both have such an influence um, on pop culture. Um, That being said, (laughs) um, the fact that they compared her role to that of Kevin Feige, I helped me visualize it helped me see it um because one of the things that i liked so much about the mcu was you have this like one person or um people overhead but you can have these different types of directors and you can have something like more funny like a guardians of the galaxy Mm. or thor ragnarok and then you can have something that's like maybe a little more so i like that there's almost like different genres within it but when we come to the main avengers movies they still like for the most part blend and it makes sense Mm. and there's a concrete story and so i appreciate that in star wars where we can have a different thing like cassian and the mandalorian and these different things that can take place in different timelines and yet it all comes together because it went through one head of a Mm. person who like understands where we're going well and i wonder if so much of the rough seas that we've gone through and listen that's just what we know about right i'm assuming behind the scenes there was some pretty big discussions and dialogue and maybe even some less than tender discussions about how projects are going or not going and i think this is great first off gina i think you nailed it in in great many ways but in particular like it's great that we have this person in this place that's going to go okay 
from start to finish, we are not Marvel. We don't need to be Marvel, but at least we have someone that is their their job is to make sure whether it's continuity, whether it's new ideas and creation, whether it's making sure things are on budget and on time, whatever it is, it's great to have that one position filled. And then I think it's great that we're going to see what this woman can do, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope that she has a very long and successful career in this position. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, she goes higher up the food chain, <laughs> at which point I will make myself available to Lucasfilm. <laughs> Dave is but a phone call away. With that, my little Tauntauns, let's go ahead, let's take a break, and we'll come back and jump into our Closer Look for the week. I'm going in closer to one of the big ones. Closer? Closer. Come closer, I have good news. A certain point of view. Same thing I always do, talk my way out of it. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. I never ask that question until after I've done it. You're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. It's true, Ben. It is true. It depends greatly on our own point of view. <laughs> um, so listen, we are in the midst of studying these macro themes within Star Wars. And I think that's one of the things that I, I know I've said this before, both on and off air, that Star Wars is just, it's not definable to me. It's its not something where if you were to look up in the dictionary, what is Star Wars and not just talk about it. It's a motion picture created by George Lucas, but it's like, what is the essence of Star Wars? I think that gets super tough to define in a concise way because it's so many different things to so many different people. And I think that that is the beauty of this thing that we love. So we've been looking at these macro themes over the last couple of weeks. We've got a couple more weeks to go. We've talked about good and evil. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about coming of age. Last week, we talked about faith and belief systems within the Star Wars galaxy. And thank you for those of you that gave us some emails and some direct messages about your personal experiences and your feedback on that particular episode. And speaking, especially Chris Letty, one of our patrons, thank you for weighing in on that. Your your comment meant a great deal, and I'm going to make sure to, to share that with the team. As we go forward this week, we're going to take a look at nature versus technology. And as I was doing some research for this entire series, I thought when this came up as a possible theme that we would talk about, I thought that's interesting because there's so many different thoughts that come to mind when I think both of technology in Star Wars, nature in Star Wars, and, and how they either mesh or conflict with one another. So with that... We're going to go ahead and take just a a baby step back and kind of fill in the rest of the context for the conversation tonight. For those of you that are maybe just joining us in the middle of this series, welcome. But we're going to talk a little bit first about what a theme is. So we know from ancient texts, regardless of whether they are connected to a world belief or it was just historical, a chronicling of historical events, whatever it may be, that... Authors had themes, and they didn't have the ability to bold or italicize or run down to Kinko's and burn off 450 copies or whatever else. But their their themes emerge by repeating either words or key ideas over and over and over again. So when it comes to nature and technology, we want to see how that in itself really rises to the top of the conversation. Before we go further into the Star Wars part of stuff, though, I want to talk a little bit with our panel tonight about when it comes to nature versus technology, some other films that are out there that are not Star Wars related 
There's a couple that came right to the forefront of my mind and are actually not even films that I particularly care for, but I'll, I'll talk about them tonight. Regina, let me begin with you. When it comes to this whole concept and theme of technology, something that is often binary, sometimes something that is, that is often represented as cold or linear or black and white versus something that is of nature, something that is natural. What are some things that come to mind or perhaps some films that really illustrate this theme well for you? So I thought of actually three separate films that took this like three separate ways. Wow, um, awesome. So my first one is one of the greatest movies ever, and this is not sarcasm, Transformers. Um, mm. And for me, that movie was a way that I feel like nature and technology meld really well because mm. you have these aliens, these Autobots and these Decepticons, which if you're from Cybertron, it's pretty natural, who come down <laughs> who come down to Earth and, and they have this element of alien technology and they're turning into these different vehicles and these cars and whatnot. And so to me, that's an example of how they, how they mesh. Um, an example of like at first meshing, but kind of not really, it doesn't exactly work out. I also thought of Jurassic Park. Um, and this mm. idea of dinosaurs being something that we that existed that obviously were natural, and then bringing them back using technology uh, to bring mm. them back, and then the havoc that may happen from having dinosaurs again. And then the last way that I took this was actually the movie Minority Report, and this idea of um, well human instinct and what is natural mm. to us, and using technology to kind of take that free will away from people to see what mm. you will do and, and the results that can come from that. Wow. Great movie picks. I, I love them. And they are also very different. I love that. It's funny. I didn't even think about Jurassic Park and that seems like so natural. As soon as you said that, I'm just like, Oh yeah. duh. <laughs> Barb, from your perspective, what are some other films that really do a nice job of either of these elements in harmony or contrasting one another? Well, the first one that comes to my mind, and it actually often comes to my mind when we're talking about themes from Star Wars, yeah. and, um, is in Lord of the Rings, mm. uh, specifically in the Two Towers, Yeah, you've got the tree ents and yeah. everything that's going on with Sauron and destroying the trees yes. and cutting them down and then, you know, building this, you know, technology for Lord of the Rings um, and do away with the trees and sacrifice them yeah. for what they want and yeah. how the ants fight back. Right. And, you know, how the trees moan and groan from what is going on. And you've got a, a really good contrast there of nature versus technology. Mm. Yeah, that's a great pick. <laughs> what you're saying, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're going to talk about the Lorax. But yes, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> no. The other one I was thinking, because there's so many, and I feel like I have one that I am forgetting, um, but the one the other, the other one that came to my mind was Ready Player One. Mm. And the reason I bring that one up is just because of how, you know, you watch that movie. I have not read the book, mm -hmm. so I, I only have my opinion from the movie. Yeah. Uh, just FYI out there. Um, but you just watch it and you see this culture of people engrossed in their technology and living completely reliant on technology mm. that nature the only way that they can access it is through their technology mm. which to me like that's such 
an interesting, you know, almost a satire of what we're doing right now and where we could end up. You know, it's fun to play games. It's fun to do this virtual reality thing, but we need to get outside. And one of um, a book that I read during my education to be an outdoor educator was called Last Child in the Woods. Mm. And it's talking about how nature can teach kids so much, yet we're taking them out of nature Mm. and putting them in front of screens to learn. But we're losing that natural aspect that they're getting. And that's kind of where I saw Ready Player One was really emphasizing that specifically. I love that. And I want to come back to that because as an educator, oh, I've got I've got some words to share on that one. <laughs> Megan, from your perspective, what are some films out there that really illustrate and resonate with you when it comes to this particular theme? Uh, the first one that came to mind was uh the matrix nice um just you know sort of obvious like that movie these people are in this either forced to be in the matrix or have are still you know living outside of the matrix and have the opportunity to go back in you know at will um i thought that series of movies was really interesting on how how they looked at, mm. um, you know, everybody's perspective. Some people would rather stay in the Matrix. Some people wouldn't. You know, it, it, I think that that's a good um, mm-hmm. good series to see what what can really go wrong. <laughs> mm. uh, it, you know, in in the you know technology sort of taking over. Um, mm but that the natural instinct of humans was to to in the end not to still want to live like a normal non-technological life yes yes and you know what's funny as you were saying that I'm like oh my goodness so it it dovetails so nicely into some of the things that I was thinking in, in regards to this, and one of those is it's a film that, okay, I'll be, I guess, the, the unpopular guy here, um, but I couldn't stand, still can't really stand, Avatar. But Avatar does an incredible job of bringing this together, and Disney thinks that does it so well is that's one of their new lands in, I think it's what the Animal Kingdom at Orlando has a big Avatar land like, like uh, what's that other one? Galaxy's Edge, thank you. Um, <laughs> that other little one. You brought the Matrix, though. I think it's so interesting. One of my favorite scenes from that, and this really talks about this particular theme, although I hadn't thought about it in this way, and that is when Cypher, who turns out to be like one of the, 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 the bad guys, um, one of the, the, the treasonous guys, um, sitting there with Agent Smith saying, you know, I'm eating the steak. I know the steak doesn't even exist. <laughs> But doggone it, I'm going to enjoy it. And I thought like, oh my gosh, that is this theme right there. So well done with The Matrix. I mentioned the Lorax, you know, um, <laughs> Avatar. I, I think a, another film that really illustrates this, and Barb, this is going to kind of come back to one of the things that you brought up is just our, I was going to say obsession, but I'll, I'll go, I'll push the envelope a little more. I'll even say like addiction to technology. Mm-hmm. And how prophetic in 2008 that this little film by Disney called Wally mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. really centered on this. Yes. And and my goodness, we weren't anywhere close to where we are now with technology. And yet that cast a very dark vision. It did it in a lighthearted way. It did it with a little bit of um, light moments between Eve and Wally. But at the same time, like it's ultimately kind of dark. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, I want to dovetail that to the next thing that you had said is it's so interesting that as an educator i see kids that they literally can't put their device down Mm -hmm. cannot put their device down and you know what if it was reading about historical events i'm all for it but it's usually not right they're playing Fortnite or (laughs) gaming with friends or snapchatting away and i once heard somebody say when i say once within the last school year wouldn't it be great if if kids just like there was I don't know, like an outdoor experience where they could just, I don't know, maybe put like their technology away. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's called Montessori. And Maria Montessori like had this idea Mm -hmm. only about 125 years ago. And and the part of that, and listen, I didn't know much about Montessori before I really started investigating it. And the more and more I read about it, the more and more I experienced it because our daughter was a Montessori kid for a couple of years that – my goodness, part of her plan was like, oh, yeah, when kids get to be a certain age, usually around, I think it was maybe 10 or so, they're going to go away from their parents, and they're going to live on a farm, and they're going to work on a farm and on a working ranch, and they'll do their, their schooling there, but they're going to learn how to do, like, life. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, yes. So I, I know that's a bit of a, of a rabbit trail, but at the same time, I, I think that we can – if we threw a lasso around all these films that we've talked about, there is that core nature versus technology, technology versus nature. When it comes to star Wars, Barb, you know, one of the first images that comes to mind for me are the Ewoks yes, crushing the, the, the baby adats. If you were a child in the seventies <laughs> and eighties, um, the ATSTs on the forest moon of Endor. Mm-hmm. When it comes to star Wars and technology, versus nature what where does your mind take you what scenes come to mind well the first thing that comes to mind when i'm thinking star wars is a darth vader quote from a new hope yeah and he says don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed yeah the ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the force and the force can be looked at as a natural element here because it's not technology it's definitely part of the galaxy of Star All Wars, things, exactly. Right? Yeah. So you've you've got even Darth Vader saying that your technological thing that can blow up pal- planets right. is nothing compared to this natural force. Yeah. And you know we've got the example of the Ewoks living off the land. Not anything that they have is technological. Right. It's it's completely their houses are in trees. You know right. their weapons are made from what they have. Right. And so there's your nat- natural versus technology. And I just started ke- thinking some more. Like, we've got this planet of Coruscant. Mm. And then you've got Dagobah. Yeah. And, you know, Yoda, again, he, when he... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Exiled? Exiled. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, he didn't take technology with him. Right. You know, he... He has his hut and he lives off the land basically right, right. in his hut. And is that worse 
or better mm. than what's going on in Coruscant. Yeah. And I mean, I look at Coruscant and I'm like, no, thank you. Naboo, sure. Yeah. You know, because I, yeah. I very much love the woods. Right. I love living in the trees. We're surrounded by them. And I would be lost without them. And so the all these examples to me definitely make me think that Star Wars very much emphasizes the natural over the technology, mm. even though they have so much technology in them. Well, isn't it funny? And I love that quote from Vader that you, that you pulled out. Isn't it funny, too, especially with that, that Death Star 1, destroyed. <laughs> Death Star 2, destroyed. Mm-hmm. Starkiller Base, destroyed. And they're destroyed with much simpler right. technology. Right. And, you know, who knows... I'm not going to get off into, like, speculation, but maybe we get another super, super jumbo-sized <laughs> weapon in The Rise of Skywalker, and my hunch is it'll be destroyed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that that's, that's super interesting that the Empire slash First Order continues to pursue these giant monoliths of technology, and uh, we're just going to destroy them. Yeah. Ah, go ahead, right? Han Solo, right? Yeah. You can always blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> Regina, from your perspective, now take this into the Star Wars galaxy. What are some things that really stand out to you when it comes to this particular theme? Um, so the first one I thought of, which I figured would be a really popular one, so I came up with the second one. But the first one I thought of was Vader's suit, um, mm. and and the fact <laughs> that he, he he needs a suit in order to live and to be. <laughs> um, but the one I really really liked. So I recently um, reread Lost Stars. And um, so you have this planet, um, Jelucan, and you have the, like, the valley, like, first waivers, who are more like the people who are, like, in tune with the Earth. They were there because, like, their people are exiled. And then you have mm. the second waivers who came later and are very much affluent. Um, and at the beginning of this story, everyone's going to see all the ships and the empires there. And you have the character, Sienna, who has a Munak, which is just like an animal. Um, and they use it for transportation. They use it to farm. Mm. They use it for like all those things. And then you have um, the second waivers, people like Thane's family, who have like hovercrafts. Um, and at one point, Sienna's family gets made fun of for having this animal. But she comforts herself with this quote on page nine that says, Stupid second waivers didn't understand what it meant to be close to your animals or to the land. And so just mm. that like opposing force on that one planet that's what i thought of oh my gosh what who are you and where did you come from (laughs) cow i think i don't know what your your graduate degree is going to be in but you may want to throw on another one there and make it something related to star wars or something because i I, we can get a degree for that can't we barb oh i i would make a way i mean i'll I'll print one out if it comes to it but my gosh i want to read your thesis that's amazing (laughs) I love the call with Vader's suit. I mean, I that is such a prime example. Mm-hmm. I mean, if not for, right? Um, my goodness. And you know what's another thing that was interesting too, and that kind of marries what you said, Barb, earlier, and that is I can't get over this one line in in the prequels where Anakin loses his lightsaber, right? Obi-Wan gives it back to him, and he says that this is your life. And I just thought that that I don't know that it is, but we'll talk another time about whether that's true or not. But at the same time, I thought, here it is. The Jedis, whether it's because of Star Wars fandom or within the own their own Star Wars galaxy, are, are kind of renowned for this piece of technology, mm-hmm. right? But so much of 
the mastery of that technology is because of the natural. Well, yeah, the kyber crystal is natural. Right, right. Yeah. I I love this. <laughs> I love this. I was I was I was hesitant about this theme when I wrote this down a couple months ago, but I am digging this. <laughs> Megan, jump in here. The water is warm. Come join us. Um what what rises to the occasion and really kind of comes out in your mind when it comes to this particular theme? I mean, I don't know what else I can say at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, naturally, my first instinct was, you know, the force being the na- the nature side of things mm. versus sort of everything else in Star Wars. Um, and you, you just, you know, if you think about certain journeys, you talked about Yoda. Eventually, he goes off completely in this natural surrounding happens mm-hmm. to Luke completely, you know, sort of devoid of technology on Achtu and um, as much as he has uh, uh, hidden himself away from the force, you know, he was able to teach Ray, you know, so many things without having to deal with any sort of technology um so i think it's it's sort of it like thinking about it now and and again like trying not to speculate too much about episode nine but i i can see this actually (laughs) being sort of really important (laughs) coming up in in the rise of skywalker well let's talk a little bit about that and megan let me just stay with you where where do you think this theme might start to rear its head within this last installment. I mean, if you if you're gonna look at the main two, you know, characters, Ray and Kylo, Ray, I think has was raised more of in a, in a more of a natural maybe environment, um, having to do things on her own. Sure, she had technology. Sure, she you know dealt with it, but she learned from Luke outside of that aspect where Kylo sort of has been surrounded, mm-hmm. you know, with, with these big machines and, and massive weapons. And so I could, you know, I could see that, that differ, that difference between them playing a really big role um, in how ultimately how that conflict ends or doesn't end. Um but yeah, I just see it a lot in those two characters. The difference there. I, I love that, and I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm gonna put money on it now, Barb. Kind of Ren's gonna play into this little theme here. Oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't interesting too that I mean we see that even in the trailer, right? I mean with Ray's incredible jump. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, there we go. She's jumping over the tie, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I've lost track of all the different vehicle <laughs> names. Um, there's too many. Regina, let me come to you on this. Where do you think that we're going to see this in episode nine? Here's what I want. It's not going to happen. Here's what I want. (laughs) When our trio comes upon the Death Star, I want them to go like full scavenger. I want them to like look for anything to help them help the resistance, like win the fight against the First Order. And I Mm. want it to be like super overgrown. And it's kind of like, like, obviously it's abandoned and things, but like, I don't remember how the Death Star gets made. 
I'm assuming there's like man-made parts. You got a little element of kyber crystal. What I want is like some kind of evolution or mutation to happen where something was in there. And then because it was exposed to all of the elements of the Death Star and the explosions and whatnot, it mutates into this like creature. Who knows if it could help? I don't know. But I want like something created there that like Finn or Poe or Ray comes upon and either takes with them because it's super cute or takes with them because it's helpful. <laughs> but I want like something created there, like a mesh of technology and nature. It's this Jar Jar Ewok thing. That, yeah, um, uh, you can decide for yourself whether that was fun and loving or, or crazy and scary. Uh, you know what that reminds me? Of? That reminds me of, and I'm gonna, here's the Star Wars connection. It reminds me of Natalie Portman's movie Annihilation, which is an amazing sci-fi movie, and it's also got um, Isaac, Oscar Isaac in it as well. So I like if you haven't seen that, that's an incredible sci-fi movie. I love that. I love that. Barb, what do you got for us when it comes to episode nine and technology versus the natural or nature? Well, all I keep thinking of is that scene in the trailer Mm. where they're walking on this grassy cliff with the water and the Death Star destroyed Mm. in the water. And, you know, it's similar to what Regina was saying, except for some mutant creature coming out of it. (laughs) But, but, but. You just you just have again this example of technology failing, massive technology that is relied upon failing. Why are they looking for it? Like, what are they looking for mm-hmm. out of the rubble of technology? And um, there was a, there was one other scene, or no, it wasn't a scene in the trailer. It was a picture that might have been in Vanity Fair that almost looked like they were in some jungle utopia. Mm. And it just looked absolutely beautiful. And this is another one of the wonderful things about Star Wars is is the contrast that they yeah. have between nature yeah. and technology. But really bringing in every single um, earthly kind of climate yeah. that we can think of. And I love seeing the beauty that they put in that. So, you know, I don't I don't know how it's going to happen, but I see technology failing and reliance on the force mm. the natural being what overpowers and isn't it interesting and I, I agree with that isn't it interesting that taking a page out of the empire and first order playbook you know kylo ren who i i guess is the now self-appointed supreme leader um <laughs> he gave himself a raise um it's like congress um he, he is now controlling so much technology Mm-hmm. But his own modus operandi is to go to the natural, to say, grandfather, right? Show me, right? He is, I, I believe, we're going we're gonna to see him continue to do that and build on that. And he, he is very dependent on the natural, on mm-hmm. the nature, on his connection with the force, and at the same time, he's also very dependent on technology to get whatever it is he's after. I, I confess I still don't exactly know what the First Order is after. But <laughs> that being said, um, it, it's interesting. I think that character is going to be forced to kind of reckon which way he's going to go with the natural nature or technology. Absolutely. I, I see Ray as... Much, much more. I mean, like, dramatically more 
into the nature, natural side of things than the technology side of things, which is interesting because she's definitely a scavenger who depends on, you know, being able to fly and put things together and collect things. Um, But it's funny that those two characters, in my opinion, they don't have much overlap when it comes to this. Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because there's a difference between a reliance on something and an expertise in something. And I feel like Ray doesn't rely on technology or nature, but she knows them. Mm. She knows how to operate them. She knows how to work in them. She's lived on Jakku without having technology to keep her surviving. Like, yes, she's a scavenger and finds technology and can use it, but that's not what she needs to survive. And the same with technology. She knows how to use it and to utilize it. But it's not a dependence. She can survive either way. And I think that's the contrast maybe with Kylo Ren is is he can't find that autonomy mm. with either one of them. Well, he's all over the place with a lot of exactly. things. Exactly. A lot of things. All right. So let me – Megan, I'm going to ask you this as we get ready to land the shuttle on this. Let me, let me ask you this. Which is the greater force in the galaxy? Is it nature? Is it technology? Is it Raylo? <laughs> <laughs> um, hashtag nature. <laughs> which do you personally most identify with in, in your life? And not necessarily like which one do you want to say, but which one do you actually personally identify more with? Sadly, technology probably <laughs> just because like, yeah, yeah, it's if you know me, like I'm not really an outdoor... Like, I'd like to be outside, but this pale skin doesn't do well <laughs> in the sun. Yeah, so I'm yeah. not, but I have to say as I've, uh, as I'm getting older and I'm starting to appreciate nature a lot more, I take way more walks. I, you know, try to be outside and get out of the office and get out of my house and just sort of enjoy uh, the natural environment. So I would say still a little bit more technology, but the nature's coming up on there. I, it was so funny, but I, I so identify with that that I'm like continually checking my feed on this or that or checking email. And But you know what I look forward to most every summer is I'm saying goodbye to my family for four to five days and I'm out on a trail somewhere where there's no such thing as a signal unless I'm sending up a flare because I'm stranded somewhere. Um, but there's such joy and satisfaction of being non-dependent on those little devices that sometimes take over yes regina do you identify more as nature natural or technology um so i'm gonna say technology um Mm. but i'm going to add like an amendment to that because i've i've said some things i've identified myself as a young person i'm at the tail end of millennials so i don't want people to think like oh she's just all about her phone i am but i'm not (laughs) Um, because some of my most fondest memories are um I, so I grew up like before the whole Apple thing. I remember time without Apple. I remember having to ask for the internet stick. My first phone was a QWERTY keyboard, and that's only because I was riding the bus and I had to be able to contact my parents. Um, so some of my fondest memories are um, being kicked out of my house and just biking around the neighborhood mm. and doing things like that and just hanging out with the other neighborhood kids. And so I miss it, but not enough to do it now. And I like Twitter. So. so. <laughs> 
Yeah, back in my day, I remember Apple, and we had green and red and <laughs> <laughs> crisp and sour. Yeah, that was great. Oh, my goodness. Well, listen, we want to know what you guys think. I guess, one, where are we going to see this play out in Episode Nine? Where are we going to see nature or the natural come into contact and collision with technology? Where's it going to take us? What's going to happen? And what are some of those moments within the Star Wars galaxy where this theme really resonates most with you? And then, yeah, you know, if you want to confess to us that you're more of a techno geek than uh, a, a nature file, is that even a word? I'm making up <laughs> words here. Um, then, then that's okay too. That this is a safe place for you, listeners. With that, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. We're not done yet. This would be the place where I normally toss things to Eve to see what's going on in the galaxy, but she's away on special assignment tonight, which is code for a week. Don't know where she's at. She's out there in the outer rim somewhere, tooling around, and probably having a great time in some cantina somewhere. Um, but here's what I can tell you that this series is going to continue on. We're going to talk next week about hope in Star Wars, and I guess life in general, and see where that takes us as well. And then, as always, for those of you that are dependent on your technology, feel free to wing on over to uh, Apple News. You can put in unmistakably Star Wars in there, and then that'll absolutely um, bring everything that we do blog-wise and pod-wise straight to you. Or, of course, you can swing on over to iTunes and subscribe there as well. With that, I want to go ahead and say thank you to each and every one of our patrons. We appreciate and are humbled by your generosity. We are, of course, talking about Brandon Boylan, Jim Capron, Derek DuVernay, Dave Hackerson, Michelle Grandin, Matthew Keegan, who, by the way, can I just share this with you, panel and dear listeners? Of course. Matthew Keegan is not only one of our patrons, but one of our friends of the pod who uh, lives in Australia, and he just DM'd me this last week and said that he wrote a little something-something that I... Matthew, I didn't need to ask your permission to share this or not, so I'm sharing, but I'll share in generic sense. He, he wrote a little something-something. It has been picked up by something, something, and it is uh, going to be perhaps um, put on a small and or large screen in the coming future. Wow. I know. Congratulations. (laughs) So congratulations, and thank you for not hating on me, Matthew, for just completely um, outing you without your permission. But congratulations. That's a big deal. Will you please remember us when you're famous? And say hi to Dave next time you see him. He misses me, I'm sure. I <laughs> uh, also want to thank Chris Letty, Steve Long, Neil Lowry, Mario Piper, Kyle Russell, Regina Sanders. Wow, you think I could get your name right, right, Regina? I mean, come on. <laughs> Holy cow. Connie She, Aaron Sinner, Skip Skipton, Christos Malinsky, Franklin Taylor, Rick Villanueva, Mike Award, and the always fabulous Amy Wishman. That is going to do it for this week, my little Tauntauns. The circle is now complete. We'll see you next time in the digital docking bay. And until then, may the force be with you. Unmistakably Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. <laughs>